Hello and welcome to Bored and Sassy. I'm Val. And I'm Sam. And we're here to bring you Disney news, discussion, and opinions with a sassy grown-up bent. Today we're going to talk about Galaxy's Edge, minivans, the My Disney Experience app, and continue the Silly Shit in Disney Films segment. Something you may have heard about this week is that Galaxy's Edge is opening a hell of a lot sooner than any of us thought it was going to at both the Disneyland and Walt Disney World parks. So when when was it actually supposed to open? I'll admit I wasn't really paying attention to anything but when Disneyland was opening because I knew that was first. Well, fuck if I know about Disneyland because I wasn't paying attention because we don't go there. <laughs> we don't. So I knew that Walt Disney World was like late fall 2019. Okay. Yeah, I think it's mostly just that the articles that I've seen because Disneyland was happening first, the articles were focusing on Disneyland because that would be the one sort of pioneering the the land. Anyway, the whole point is it's opening way the fuck earlier in both locations. Disney World is opening August 29th, 2019, which is before fall at all happens. Uh, never mind the end of fall. So, and it's, it's interesting. A lot of people on the internet, strangely, are mad that it's opening early. Diz Twitter is big mad. Or at least the pieces that I pay attention to. Admittedly, I'm not like all over Diz Twitter. But I've seen some folks making some really uh, serious comments about, you know, oh my god, how could they do this? And like, it's been really hypercritical of the decision. So I, 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 I will admit, I don't understand why they're upset. Why are they upset, Val? So they're... So I think the reason that people are upset is because uh, Disney opening something half-finished feels like kind of anticlimactic. Like, it's Disney, and everything is about the details and immersion, and this isn't going to be immersive at all if there's a whole ride that's not finished, but... Well, let's talk about that. So half-finished, there's a ride not open. Yes. However, the land is not two rides. It has two rides. It has Smuggler's Run... And Rise of the Resistance. Rise of the Resistance is the one that's not going to be open. It's, I feel like, 40 minutes long or something, they said. Like, that one's going to be a really long experience. Um, Sam just made a face and forgot that I told him that because I definitely told I him that. I did not remember that it was going to be 40 minutes. I didn't realize it was going to be Ellen's Energy Adventure, but in Star Wars land. It's going to be 28 minutes long, at least as of the last rumors. So it effectively is going to be Ellen's Energy Adventure, the Star Wars version. Um, but it's not just those two rides. The land also includes, obviously, shops, walking around, um, food, like tons of food. They did a huge release a week or two ago about all of the ridiculous food options you're going to have. There's a hangar with like food truck style stuff where they're all different variations of cuisine that like the the storyline of the hangar is that like people come from all over the galaxy bringing their food so you can try it and whatever wait is is there going to be alcohol in this area yeah oh yeah so oh yeah people are going to drink around the galaxy oh, fuck. just like they drink god around the damn world. it oh uh, what have you done disney no. except make a lot of money on well, beverages right. that are overpriced right they're gonna have a lot of themed drinks of the both alcoholic and non-alcoholic types lots of new food a lot of which looks really good i'm excited about it but um yes one of the two rides will not be open now why people are pissed again is it's this feeling like oh my god they're gonna let people into an unfinished land 
it's not going to be like walking into a building before it's fully finished and you're seeing like construction everywhere and like tarps hanging and dust. Yeah, well, that's the thing is that Disney doesn't do unfinished the way that other other people do unfinished. Uh, like you said, there aren't going to be tarps and stuff. It's going to be seamless. It's going to be, uh, you know, it's going to be it's going to be magic green that disappears into the background. I don't think it's even going to be go away green. I think it's going to be that the building, the facade of the building that you would see, the entrance that you would see, will almost certainly be complete. So it would just be like going to that land without a fast pass for Rise of the Resistance. You're going to walk by it, be like, I'm not getting in that six hour line. You're going to walk past. So like. I don't think it's actually going to feel unfinished when you go to it, except if you were like, oh man, but Rise of the Resistance was the one thing I wanted to do, which while I think it's going to be fucking cool, you didn't want to do the Millennium Falcon. I think there are also crowd concerns too, but some people are going to wait now. This, you know? So yeah, that's the reason that I think that this is actually a really good idea. First off, it makes really good sense for Disney because the sooner they open it, the sooner they start getting crazy numbers of people showing up to to actually walk around here even if they don't go on a single ride the other thing is even though there will only be one ride open one new ride i guess uh, star tours is still star tours around, is a part of so star tours is it's a part not of connected but land. everybody yeah. will 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 still be same audience there for the same thing right um so it's not like you won't be able to get your star wars fix but People will still come to this early opening. It's not like everybody is going to boycott. And so what this means is that we're going to have a nice smoothing of the people who are willing to come with only one of the two new big rides open. And then you'll have people who are going to wait. And suddenly you have that mad dash that would, uh, you know, it's going to be unbearable when both are open. And it would have been ten times worse if both rides were opening at once. But because the land and one of the rides is opening first, and we have a huge ride opening later, it staggers it, and it also allows them to drag out some of that excitement, too. It's kind of like, you know, teasing uh, two, two films in the MCU or something that are four months apart. You can really, like, drag that out and get people excited. Yeah, and you're also going to have, therefore, a bunch of people, locals or folks who have trips in that time frame, they're going to be able to do the first pieces and it isn't going to be as crazy later when the second one opens, I don't think. Like, I think it does spread the crowds out a little where you'll have some fans who are going to say, I'm going to go down for opening day. And then you will have people who will say, "Mm, I'm going to wait until later. So rather than all of them going as soon as it's open, you are potentially splitting those crowds up a little bit. Also, I really think that if they tried to push out Rise of the Resistance early, we'd just end up with another Navi River journey, where it's something that seemed really ambitious and exciting at first, like it would be a, a great immersive experience, and at the end of the day, it would just be like, the ATAT is really cool, but that's the only cool thing in the ride, and everything else is just kind of like, eh, it could have been done better with animatronics. Yeah, so uh, the TLDR version of that is we're not worried. This next topic came in from our friend Sarah Beth, who said she was looking forward to the discussion of minivans, as that's not a service that she's taken advantage of yet. We are minivan evangelists with conditions. We love minivans, but they are bougie as fuck. 
It's true. I mean, it's kind of like, it's the closest thing you're going to get to a Disney limo service. Yeah. Because, yeah, it's not, it's not crazy expensive. It's just <laughs> reasonable enough that, well, I mean, compared to the rest of the experience, it's not crazy expensive. <laughs> I don't know. I mean... $25 to go like a half a mile that you could have done on a bus is pretty expensive. Well, certainly compared to the free buses, it's very expensive. <laughs> but the point is, if you're already doing a Disney vacation, if you can afford a Disney vacation in the first place, and you're not like right at the line of what you can afford, then taking a few minivans isn't going to break the bank. However, it does like kind of fit into Disney's let's make money everywhere we can in the parks with the nickeling and diming on parking that we've talked about. Now it's also like, hey, if you want a bus line that, that if you want to skip the bus line that is unacceptably long, then you can pay to not have to deal with it. Yeah. The other thing that we miss is that um, for families, it's different. Like if you are on a trip with, you know, two couples or two couples with their kids or whatever it is. The good thing about minivans is that they have car seats. So if there are kids involved, and I think they're actually convertible car seats to where like it, it's a, I forget what the model of it is. Cause I don't have to care cause we're not having kids. Um, but it's some convertible model that it doesn't matter the age of the child. It can kind of accommodate like all different ages. Um, so you don't have to worry about lugging a car seat around. Um, and again, if it's two couples and their kids, between four people splitting $25 or whatever it is, is pretty reasonable. And I think, is it $25 flat fee or 25 plus? I forget what they changed because they changed the model. Right. So it was originally just like a $20 or $25 flat fee for any point to any point on Disney property. And that, I'll admit, it was really nice as a pilot program because that was, you know, very predictable and sort of easy to to know what you're getting into. Now it's a little bit more typical uh, Lyft style pricing. Uh, for those who don't know about minivan service, it is through the Lyft app. They've partnered with Lyft, but it's all Disney drivers in Disney vehicles. Um, sorry, cast member drivers. Um but it's all through the Lyft app, so they get to take advantage of the fact that somebody's already built an app that does this very well. And you can't just wait for them. We had some folks last trip thinking that you could just go to where it says minivans and wait. It is through the Lyft app. You have to order the minivan through the app. You can't just stand there and be like, a Disney taxi will pick me up. That's not how it works. So the the big thing now is it is it is uh, variable cost based on the distance and time. The usual formula for um, ride sharing in general with a you know a base fee that is fairly significant yeah. so you can expect <laughs> to be paying uh, I think it's like at least 15 bucks or something if you're only going yeah. five minutes yeah. I think it will be cheaper than it was but essentially everything else will still be in the like 20 to 35 dollar range yeah as and far it's as going to be more expensive than Lyft or Uber but and this is the but um Minivans pick you up where the buses pick you up at the Magic Kingdom. If you want Uber or Lyft, you have to go to the Ticket and Transportation Center, which means you have to get on a boat at the end of everything or get on a monorail at the end of the park closing um, with all those other people who are trying to go to their cars. So it does provide um, a way more convenient mode of transportation at like a park close if you really have to leave and can't kind of wait for things to calm down to go take a bus. Yeah, that's, I think, the biggest feature that is nice is that they do have dedicated space. Admittedly, it's better at, say, the Magic Kingdom, where their situation is a little bit more stable, versus some of the other parks 
the minivan location has moved several times while they were doing construction. <coughs> Hollywood Studios. <laughs> Hollywood Studios was the worst in that even the minivan drivers couldn't tell us exactly where to go until they got there. It was a hot mess. But the good thing is, at least because, of course, they're Disney cast members, they are going to make it work for you. It's they're not going like to Uber call or Lyft. You. Right, exactly. Where they'll drive away. Uber or Lyft, they, they actually they have this problem where if the Uber and Lyft drivers are going through the normal Uber and Lyft area, um, they can essentially get into a situation where they have to just keep doing laps because there isn't a spot for them to just pull over and wait because there's too much Uber and Lyft traffic for that. The minivans have dedicated waiting areas where there are only so many minivans and they can block as much as they want because they can actually work together to figure it out. Yeah, and the good news is that even if you can't really find uh, where you're supposed to go, there are often like a bunch of them coming at the same time, especially if it's the end of a park day. So um, they are all red vehicles with white spots with Disney numbers on them. Um, you know that there are minivans. There are, I think, two different vehicle styles. There's like a crossover SUV and then like a bigger suburban style SUV. Um, but they're very distinctive. They're easy to find. And the cast members are also fucking awesome. Like we have gotten so many cool stories because one of the guys who we've gotten multiple trips now, I think. Yeah, he, he was the first, uh, one of the first minivan drivers and he'd been there for... Like 20-something years. 20 and years he was telling and us all these 10 cool different stories. Jobs. Yeah. yeah, just like everything. Just the coolest stuff. So um, all really... He insisted on taking pictures of us with the vehicle for us and stuff. Like it was super cute. So cool And times. I think that's that's really what you're paying for at the end of the day. It's really convenient. It's nice to get you out of the parks at park close without dealing with bus lines. But really, the best part for me is the experience of getting some more one-on-one -on -one time with a Disney cast member whose whole job is to just talk to you about their experience as a cast member. Yeah. And, like, if you put me in an Uber or Lyft and the driver talks, I'm going to, like, freak my fucking shit. Like, I have anxiety and I don't <laughs> like talking to strangers. But cast members don't count. So, like... It's, you, it's really cool usually to like hear where they came from and how long they've been there and all of the things they've done. Right. Cast members are family? Is that... Is that it's weird, but that's <laughs> kind of the idea. And well, I mean, if Disney is home, then cast members are family, I clearly, guess. Clearly. Clearly. Yeah. It's... Uh, so our take on minivans is that they're really cool. They're not um, cost effective for most people, a lot of people. Um, if you're going in a group with multiple adults, though, and you can split it four ways, it's almost certainly like cost effective. Um, again, an Uber or Lyft would still be cheaper, but we really like taking them. And I think the one case where there's almost nothing that compares is when you are trying to get from one hotel to another hotel on Hell property. Yes. Hell if yes. If you go get dinner at Boma or something and then need to get back to your your resort hotel there's not a bus for that yeah like you would have to go to a park and then back to your hotel if the parks are even open at that time if you have a late reservation we ended up being <laughs> stuck uh what was oh, it oh my god between we, the polynesian and coronado springs uh, we ate at ohana with some friends and we were like oh we'll go to the ttc and get a bus over to Coronado and they were like nope. oh no that's not happening because the Magic Kingdom was closed for a private event so there was like no way to get there and that was before the days of minivans that was back in October nope November of 2016 
Um, and we got like private driven by one of the um, shift lead type folks um, on the Disney Transportation Services team um, with, I think, a couple other people who were coming from the Magic Kingdom party. Um, so he he was like, oh, yeah, no, there are no buses. But he just like took a conversion van and took us over. But minivans would have prevented that. So we really liked them overall. Um try them out but again like it's not inexpensive it's it's definitely sort of feels more like a luxury service add-on to us definitely so our next topic is talking about my disney experience especially the app but also the web experience uh which is not always the best thing that's the understatement of the fucking year so it's it's one of those things where in concept it's amazing because it's one portal for all the things related to your vacation so you can figure out what your fast passes are going to be and you can look at your reservations and you can unlock your hotel room using them or using the app but it also is probably the greatest source of consternation on our entire stay. Yeah. The website often doesn't work at all. Like this varies by time. It, I can't say it's gotten better over time. It just like kind of depends. But I've had times where you just like couldn't do anything on MD and it was giving you like the stitch error page all the time. Um, we've had times where like stuff has just disappeared that definitely existed. And then it comes back a couple days later and I'm like, Okay, I hope that fast pass really is still there. Well, and the best example of that recently is we're going in like a week and we're, no... we're like, oh, I want to know how much <laughs> the remaining balance is. And it's just not there. It's There's just so... gone from the website. You can't they re... So we specifically probably are mostly bitching about the old version of the My Disney Experience web application. But the new one also sucks because you used to be able to click somewhere to see your balance and pay. And I cannot for the life of me find it. And I'm like, I'm not an idiot. I work in tech. And like, I'm sure that someone's going to go, oh, it's right here. But like, I cannot find it. There's nowhere to do it. And certainly it's not anywhere intuitive, which. Right. Certainly, as we've talked about in the past, people, when they're on vacation at Disney, especially, they kind of lose all of their common sense. Because they just become children and stand in the middle of the street. So now imagine that when you're using an application. Like these are the people that are most prone to do the wrong thing if you don't really lay it out in an obvious way. Which is why it's annoying that no matter when you open the app on your phone, it's going to show you the fucking Magic Kingdom's wait times first. Right. That's That blows my mind because it has GPS functionality. It makes you turn that in. functionality on. It makes right. you say, let me use location services. But it doesn't open the park that you're in if you're in a park, even though it knows your physical location Such and the location of the parks. Such a pain that's, in the ass. That's just a complete oversight where that's not a hard feature to add. And I think that's part of what the problem is, is that there are thousands of little features like that that just make sense that either aren't implemented or were implemented and were working. But the way that they have to build a system like that and here's where we get into Sam's Tech Corner a little bit. Sam's I'll admit, Tech Corner. Sam's Tech Corner. All right, now now you're the one making theme songs or it's Sam's sound Tech bites. Corner. So I'm a software engineer, for those of you who didn't know. So it's kind of my thing, but 
I acknowledge that I actually know fairly little about the specifics of how that whole system works. What I do know is that I know someone who worked for them and worked on the app, and I still haven't gotten the opportunity to kind of grill him on what it's like under the hood. But what I can imagine based on what it's like to build systems at that scale is that everything that they have was not built at the same time. Their whole FastPass system, that was not built at the same time. Certainly adding the Magic Band FastPass system and the kiosks, all of that, these are separate projects that were built by different groups of developers at different times. Their online web experience where you can buy tickets and reserve dining reservations, all of, the, all of those systems were not built at the same time with each other in mind, which means that building one interface that allows you to connect your dining reservations and your ticket system and your fast passes and information and wait times and all of that in one place means that you have to integrate a bunch of stuff that wasn't built to work together. So anytime one of those systems changes and needs updates, you're then going to, let's say the wait time systems gets overhauled, then figuring out how to make sure that you haven't broken every little feature that you added related to wait times in the app is pretty difficult. And even with a huge QA team and brilliant engineers, which I'm certain they have, it's still going to be a really hard thing. And that's why it feels like it's such an unfinished piece of trash sometimes, <laughs> is that it, it like it's a genuinely hard problem unless they were going to just shut down everything and start from scratch. Remember that thing that they did last year where they released a new version of the app, but instead of being like, there's an update to this app, my app just turned fucking gray. And I was like, why is my app gray? That's so weird. My app is gray. And then I eventually looked and you had to download a whole new separate version of the app. Like they didn't update the same listing. They made a whole new one. And I just had like a semi-functional app for months. Not that I use it when I'm not in the parks, but I was like, why the fuck is it gray? So that's that actually bugs me too, because there's probably a legitimate reason. We're talking about the Android platform, by the way. Um, there might be a legitimate reason why they had to start from scratch for, I don't know, dealing with legacy permissions or something like that. But what it really smelled like to me was they wanted to undo all of the negative reviews that they had on the original app. Because despite being the only app that you can use for this thing on property, until they made the new one anyway, it had like a one-star rating. Yeah, it was bad. Because it just broke half the time. And it and it, constant updates, constant big updates just to make it work at all. Yeah, and it still and it wouldn't didn't... it wouldn't load. It murders the fuck out of your battery. Like it's not a good experience. And you we talked about the like fact that um certain pieces of it and I don't remember if it was like fast passes or or reservations or whatever like hit the same issue as like why YouTube's uh view counts fluctuate. Right. Like there's some of that piece of it too which like so you understand like why the thing happens, but like, it's still just a pain in the ass. It's time for the silly shit in Disney Films Corner. Disney Quandaries. God, fucking damn it. Um, so today's is one that I uh, posted on Facebook a couple of weeks ago and people tried to explain away and I fucking disagree. 
if Judy Hopps was Zootopia's first bunny cop, how did they already have a bunny-sized parking attendant scooter available? Huh. So, here's a question. We know that she's the first bunny cop. Correct. Is she the first cop of that size? Correct. Yes. Okay. And here's how we know. Because somebody was like, well, like, maybe there were little carnivores. Like, it's all, maybe it was they were all, they were all carnivores, but then there were some little carnivores. And I'm like, no, there were no small cops. The point was that cops are always bigger animals. So there was the elephant who had the birthday. I mean, Chief Bogo is a water buffalo. Those are herbivores. They're just big herbivores. The smallest, the next smallest cop that we see is a wolf. The whole thing wasn't just that she was the first bunny cop, but it was that she was the first small cop at all. There just weren't any of her size because everybody else was huge. So like the theory that it's because there must have been a small carnivore cop at some point. No, 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 no. It's not that cops were carnivores. It's that cops were the big guys. So I do wonder if some of the prejudices that they had might have also aligned along carnivore lines and like a bobcat or something might not have been a meter maid at some point. But yeah, but the it wouldn't have fit a bobcat. That's the thing. It was legitimately exactly sized for Judy Hopps. Like that's a it's good not point. yeah, it was not the size that you would fit. Like and then later you see her driving the police vehicle and her and Nick Wilde are in this giant SUV. So like it's not like they had a ton of options. And I'm like, who was your meter made before? Like, did you shove a wolf in there? Like cramped up with legs sticking out the side so i suppose this is an animated universe so you could kind of clown car someone to look really silly in a tiny so imagine like a hippopotamus cop just like scrunched into a tiny ball there's no it's you can't even there's no way that the models would not it would break the hippopotamus animation model if you tried to do that it would like it that's what made it made me laugh about it is like folks were like well first bunny cop doesn't mean there wasn't a small other and i'm like no like the whole reason, like, yes, part of it is like bunnies are cute, but like there were plenty of other not like there were plenty of herbivore options and there were even some smaller than Chief Bogo options, but they were all far larger than a rabbit. So the only thing that this kind of leaves is that this this tiny little electric scooter car was made specifically for Judy Hopps. <laughs> And that's how how disdainful Chief Bogo was. He like of fully this. prepared he, he beforehand. Had, he that's... had this car commissioned for. I Judy. had that thought earlier. I was like, the only thing in universe that would make sense is if he purposely fucking had the foresight to be like, this kid is being a meter maid, and that's it. I suppose the the other option is that they had one around from some other public utility and just slapped a light on top of <laughs> yeah. it and gave it a paint job. Also fair. But still, still I agree. Nonsense. It is it is an odd thing that they just, like, clearly Judy can drive larger vehicles. Right, so exactly. why wouldn't they just have something larger that she could have used right. for parking? And other out? smaller cops would have used those vehicles and somebody had to have been doing parking detail before and it can't have been someone Judy's size. So yeah, that's my logical inconsistencies that don't matter in Zootopia. That's my corner for today. This week. <laughs> this week. <laughs> How is podcasting work?
that's all for this week. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, complaints, hate mail, etc., um, as usual, we have a Twitter, Bored and Sassy. We have a website, boredandsassy.com, where there is a contact form that you can submit all kinds of nonsense to if you'd like. Certainly, if you know anything about the inner workings of the My Disney Experience app or website, I'd love to hear about it from a primary source. I will be tracking down that friend of mine who I know worked on it just to see if I can learn anything about it. And maybe we'll revisit that at a, at a later date with a little bit more preparation. Because for now, it was just kind of a complaining fest about it and <laughs> noting that it is a hard problem, but also that the app is crap. But I think it definitely would be interesting to take a deeper dive and actually look at which pieces of that were introduced when and maybe understand why exactly it is so hard. But maybe that's just me because I'm a nerd. I mean... It's possible. So Bored and Sassy is available on Google Play Music if that's how you listen, but you can also listen at boredandsassy.com. We're going to keep posting them every week and working on getting it in other places. For some reason, Pocket Casts knows it exists, but I can't find it in my app. So if you have a particular app that you um, use to listen to your podcasts and you'd like to make sure we're there and you can't find us, um, we'll double check and see about making sure that we get up there. I think iTunes is in the works too. All right. Thank you very much for listening, and... We'll see you next week. So, I'm a software engineer, for those that you didn't know. So, this is kind of my thing, but admittedly... For those of you that didn't know. What did I say? You said for those that you didn't know. For for woes. Restart with... So, I'm a software engineer, for those of you who didn't know... And Val's making fun of me because in our previous take, I said that very wrong. I'm not making fun of you. I was just trying to help. (laughs) (laughs) Yay. Oh, boy. It was along those lines. Slam that like button. (laughs) Hit subscribe. Smash that like button. Um, No.